right. Hello and welcome to the Conjecturing Horrors podcast. With me is Laura. Hello. Um, Did that come I'm out trying. the way you wanted it to? <laughs> no. I don't. I don't know what that was. Actually, I feel like it I sounded... feel like that was the demon from last week from Paranormal came came forward. What was that? <laughs> oh, it was supposed to be the ghost face killer, but I think I sounded more like from the spoof scary movies. <laughs> oh, you were you were trying to do like what's your favorite scary movie like that? Yeah, you were trying, and you went like way too far into it. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, Laura's here, um, and uh, and Greg. Hey, what's up? And I'm your host, Rob. Um, I don't, man, you like threw me off five seconds in, where I'm like th- totally thrown off from this episode already. That's my goal. Every um, episode is just throw you off your game within the first me off. fifteen seconds. Yeah, you know what it was, Greg? You you went in and you kind of paused, and so I think we both thought you were going to attempt to do it, and then you kind of changed your mind and. I thought about it, but you know, I, I couldn't do better than what you just did, or worse, mm-hmm. actually. So, yeah, so if, uh, I think better. <laughs> yeah, so for uh, everybody knows now, we're we're doing Scream. We're doing Scream this week. Uh, Laura attempted to do the the voiceover guy on the phone. Uh, went a little too yeah. far. A little too far there for Laura. You know. Um, <laughs> uh, we got we got um. We got some costumes again this week a bit, you know, we're going to be taking some pictures and putting them on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Laura has her scream mask. She actually has a scream mask on, you know, I was frightened when we went on our zoom call and I got scared. (laughs) It was pretty uh, jarring. Um, uh, I'm, I'm Kenny, the camera guy, you know, so I have my backwards, you know, hat. Uh, I got, you know, a little bit of blood on my neck from when it got cut and I got my, uh, Got my Cheetos over here. I got my Cheetos I'm eating. You know, I'm chilling in the van. So good. You know, so good. Uh, Greg looks like Fred Durst for some reason. Um, <laughs> he just has a red baseball hat backwards and a black shirt with no sleeves. Because, uh, <laughs> Greg, what do you, can you describe, like, what are you actually? Uh, definitely Fred Durst this week. Limbiscuit was very much around around this time uh, that the movie was created. So yes, the mm-hmm. first thing I thought of, and it, you know, quite frankly, a lot of the characters in the movie are just plain clothed. Mm-hmm. Nobody really stands out. It's just yeah. about wearing clothes that you would wear to school. So mm-hmm. um, it's kind of tough to think of something. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm all about mm-hmm. it. I uh, I was a big Limbiscuit fan, so I, I dig it. True. What's uh, what's your favorite Limbiscuit song, Laura? Oh man, Hot Dog. <laughs> I, I don't even know which one that is but it just it sounds ridiculous okay. you know I, I don't know um what about you Greg? Uh, he uh, says mm-hmm. the word he says the word fuck over 50 times in the song oh really wow mm-hmm. what about you greg what's your favorite limp Bizkit song mine's the one where he's like He's just letting out his aggression. I love that. Where he, where he goes, he's like, I'm like a chainsaw. I'll skip you. Yeah. That one's just the, the anger that one. Give me something to break. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that guitar riff. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, so wow. good, Rob. I let's just turn on some Yeah, no, I I, re- I remember them. I mean, I remember like Roland. Uh, oh, I remember. Uh, isn't wasn't there one that had like Method and Redman and, and uh, Biscuit and they, yeah. did, like, they did a duet or whatever? Yeah, I don't remember what yeah. song that was, but I remember that one was fucking cool. You know, you guys weren't like corn people. I feel like it was either Biscuit or corn. 
No, you love both. You could love really? both. Really? Yeah. They, they played shows together. Really? I thought they were like yeah. the two where you're like, it's almost like, were you in sync or were you Backstreet Boys? Were you like, were you Limp Biscuit or were you Corn? Oh, you can like both, but I definitely like Limp Biscuit better. Hmm. What about Backstreet Boys and NSYNC? Which, which one are you there? Oh, that is a tough question. This again, this is for another day, another podcast, but to give you the short answer, I started off team Backstreet and then I somehow made a very drastic switch to team NSYNC. Interesting. Which I know is hmm. a no-no, but I was like gung-ho mm-hmm. both. Wow. Mm-hmm. What about you, Greg? What about you? Times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't listen to either, man. No, you were too much. You were you were just all all about the nookie. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Greg, mm-hmm. you're a liar. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Greg, ah. Gr- Greg was uh, Greg was 98 degrees. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no comment. Can I just say, weren't the 90s just the fucking best? Yeah, honestly, you guys have to admit, watching this movie, it just takes you back. Yes. And it was not that long ago, but you just, you you saw everything that everybody did and it just brought you back to a time. It just feels like a completely different world, right? Yeah. Mm. But we were there and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it was kind of long ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Over Mm. 20 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you guys, let's, let's get to what we're drinking tonight. So let me get the drop going here. What's in the cups? All right. So what are you drinking, Laura? What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking Aperol Negroni Martini. Oh my goodness. I saw this recipe, uh, combining the three online and I just thought the color was perfect. It was just kind of blood red but just very eerie i've got my black cherries in it and uh when we started the pod tonight i had a really awesome homemade uh blood rim but it has melted womp womp. Mm-hmm. that's okay i got good mm-hmm. pictures of it it's nice. and they you know they drink a lot of beer in in the party scene so i've got my backup beer nice nice and i have popcorn oh, oh wow look nice. at that don't worry wow. i won't eat it rob Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. appreciate it. (laughs) I feel like every episode, there's some point I got to cut Greg's audio because he's eating and snacking on something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Greg? What are you you drinking tonight? Like when this movie came out, the only thing we could drink is just uh, beer, like everyone in this movie. So I'm also doing the beer thing. I've got a barrel-aged Imperial Stout, just the Mm. standard old beer here. And it's quite large. So we're going to go through that. Nice, Sweet. nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you guys. I'm just drinking beer. I'm just doing a traditional 805. It's like one of my favorite just like beers I just like to, to drink normally. So yeah, uh, so cheers, you guys. Cheers. cheers. Okay, let's get to a couple of updates from last week. Um, do you guys have anything to talk about from Paranormal or any reviews you guys spotted out or saw anything like that? Negative. No. I did try sleeping with the covers up to my nose. And... <laughs> The, the the snuggle struggle it was actually quite comfy oh yeah. interesting hmm. yeah you and it's not hard to breathe i don't know rob you and i were like tripping over can you breathe of course you can breathe i mean there's plenty of oxygen in the room mm-hmm. um and it does make you feel like compact hmm. you know it doesn't it's just nice so i may uh try that more often all right thanks for the suggestion laura you're oh, welcome wow. 
Hmm. That's so interesting. Hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, the, I think the only other thing I kind of want to talk a little bit about is like we, we have this thing going on now where we're, we're slightly debating the picture in paranormal activity. Is it Katie or not? We Greg finally got us a still uh, of, of the picture and then a picture, of course, of Katie. And I can't tell if it is or isn't her. She's smiling for one, which she doesn't do in this movie <laughs> until the very end, until the very end. <laughs> but the picture on the wall... It like does and it doesn't look like her. It's it's not 100% either way. I'm definitely team, I don't think that's her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great team name. <laughs> <laughs> She's hash, hash, hashtag uh, not, know, her. Mm-hmm. not her. Not <laughs> her, yeah. We're going we're gonna to make it a team of two. Uh, it's not her because I don't think it's her either. It looks, it looks like a kind of a generic brunette um, with similar feature so he's definitely got posted a photo of him and his ex-girlfriend on the walls of his house um <laughs> while the girlfriend is currently seeing is just mm. living there yeah wow so he, he definitely just deserved everything he got then if he's that much of an a-hole mm-hmm. there you go mm-hmm. probably jeez man at least at least hide those pics put them on a secret file share somewhere don't don't have them out <laughs> in the open dang man yeah. jeez crap that's funny. Yeah, so if anybody wants to email in and take a look at the pictures, we're probably going to be posting a couple of them throughout the week. You know, maybe you'll see a couple of them. If you want to make the decision, you know, is it Katie? Is it not? You can hit us up at Conjecturing Pod, you know, for Gmail and Instagram. So, you know, and Twitter, you know, hit us up there and let us know what you think. And maybe we can try to solve this debate. Um, so let's uh, let's get to like that we talked about. We're doing Scream this week, 1996 Scream. Uh, this is Laura's movie choice. She's, man, she's been waiting for this forever. I think since day one we started, she's been just waiting to watch this movie because it's, it's, I think it's one of her favorites, if not maybe the favorite. Um, so Laura, why did you choose this movie? Uh, yeah, so it's kind of tied with Halloween for first place, which is, I mean, makes sense because people argue that this movie is like a love letter to Halloween, which I totally mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, I told you guys before, it's kind of my big intro to horror. The first entire horror movie that I watched all the way through. Um, and it just has all the nostalgia and all the fun. I just love it so much. Nice. Nice. I agree. I mean, we've all seen this movie, right? I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I don't know many people that maybe haven't seen this movie. I mean, I, I don't know if I could run to, you know, meet somebody and be like, you haven't seen this really, you know, yeah. unless you're like super young, maybe, I don't know. You know, it'd be interesting to hear if Elicitor Lindsay has seen this movie before. She's younger than us, so maybe she hadn't. I don't know. I bet she has. I think so? Okay, yeah. all right. She probably has. She's cool. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. Um. Let's. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So before we get to more of the movie, let's get to the horrorish segment of the week. This week, I have for you guys. All right. This week, I got another question for you guys. Another question. Um, okay. So the question I came up with for this week uh, is is definitely based on what's Jamie Kennedy's, what's his character's name? Randy. Randy. Randy's definitely based on Randy's rules of surviving a horror movie, uh, which are, Laura, do you want to go through them? The three he talks about? Oh, well, yes, I am. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You cannot have sex. All right? There's the end sound by. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were so, Wait, you were you so angry. Set... <laughs> what's the 
You have to explain the consequence. You like, will die. You will not survive. Okay, there we go. Okay. You will not survive if you drink or do drugs. Mm-hmm. All right? Okay, that's true. And mm-hmm. you will not survive if you say, I will be right back. Okay, and that's the three. That's the three he talks about. I know there's more. Yeah. You know, there's more through the other movies and this and that, you know, but those are the main three I think he talks about in this movie, the ways to mm-hmm. survive a horror movie, you know, based on him and his, like, movie culture that he talks about. So my question to you guys would be, what other what other horror movie rule would you guys add to kind of, you know, make sure you survive a horror movie? Mm. Wow. Well, you cannot go and check out the danger by yourself. Don't... You cannot be a badass. Tell everyone, I got this. You will not come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So don't ever go Going by solo. yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't go solo. No, don't go solo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. I like that one. I like that one. Mm-hmm. First one that pops into my head is if you are specifically a boyfriend, okay, <laughs> don't climb into a fucking window. You're done. <laughs> don't climb into a window? Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. Climbed oh. into Nancy's window. Uh-huh. Skeet Ulrich climbs into Nev Campbell's window. Mm-hmm. Not a good move. Because mm-hmm. they're all trying to get they're all trying to get Nookie. You know, Fred Durst. You know, they're all trying to <laughs> yeah. get some Nookie. You know? Yeah. I think for me, the the main one for me I notice in all these movies is just don't be a douchebag. You know? Don't be a douchebag and you'll probably survive. You know, I feel like any douchebag yeah. in any horror movie, you're going to be one of the first kills because nobody likes you. You know, nobody wants to see you. So just, just be nice, be polite, you know, be respectful. And, and you might yeah. have a chance of getting to the end, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So good answers, you guys. Good answers. If anybody wants to email us in, uh, let us know what uh, what other horror rule they would add to to the list of surviving a horror movie. You can hit us up at Conjecturing Pod, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and uh, conjecturingpod at gmail if you want to hit us up there and email let us know what other rule you guys would add to that to survive um, so let's get into the movie now this is definitely going to be a Laura heavy movie this is yeah, I've already told her Laura's carrying this episode with all her information and whatever she knows and <laughs> you know um, so let's uh, let's pop that popcorn let's pop the popcorn yes. and get to the movie this <laughs> week um, yeah, so like we said, we're doing uh, we're doing Scream, nineteen ninety six. This is Wes Craven, of course. Um, you know, written by Kevin Williamson. Uh, this had a budget of fifteen million dollars, uh, made one hundred and seventy three million. So it definitely made a lot of money, you know. And of course, nice. it. multiple sequels uh, spawned a whole like spoof franchise of scary movie. And mm-hmm. I mean, this really was the beginning of the whole like '90s horror, and really like changed a lot of the way we think about some horror movies. I think from that time point, mm-hmm. um, but it's really cool, you know. Um, Laura, do you have some interesting facts? Yes, I'm going to go as quickly as possible because I have <laughs> a lot. I know. There's like there's like 20 bullet points on here. Oh, my god. No, I, I actually cut some on my list that I made for myself. So. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. And very important. Courtney Cox and David Arquette met and fell in love on the set. <laughs> are they, oh, wow. Are they still together? No, they are not. Oh, okay. That is besides okay. the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally oh, buy that. Thing, I, I felt that love on screen. Yeah. They were like. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, this whole movie was like for sure a love letter to the Halloween franchise and John Carpenter. Um, Halloween is referenced so many times in this movie. Um, but one of the biggest like Easter eggs for big 
Halloween fans is in the very beginning during the Drew Barrymore scene when her parents get home and realize that something's going on. The husband tells the mom, he says, go to the Mackenzie's. And that is exactly what Laurie Strode tells the two kids that she's babysitting on Halloween night in Halloween oh. one. She's oh, like, wow. go to the McKenzie's, and that's where the two kids run off to. So a lot of Easter eggs in there. Obviously, they're showing the original Halloween at Stu's party later in the movie. Um, something else that I thought was super cute is that at one point, Tatum says, oh, okay, Sydney, you sound like a Wes Carpenter movie. And she's yeah. basically combining Wes Craven and John mm-hmm. Carpenter. Super fun. Uh, this, this one's pretty good. So they filmed this movie in Healdsburg, which is up uh, in Northern California towards like Santa Rosa. And they had originally planned to film the whole thing in Santa Rosa and to use the Santa Rosa high school. Um, well, Santa Rosa high school said, absolutely. And then got the script and said, absolutely not. You're not filming here and kind of screwed, screwed the like, you know, all of them over. Uh, so <laughs> if you hang through the credits of Scream at the very end of all the credits, it says in big caps, no thanks whatsoever to the Santa Rosa ah. City School oh, District wow. Governing Board. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's funny. So funny. Oh, man. Um, just stats wise, the use of caller ID increased more than threefold after the release of this movie. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Um, at one point during the uh, filming of the opening scene, somebody forgot to unplug the phone that Drew Barrymore Casey used to call the cops. And it actually resulted in a real puzzled 911 operator hearing Drew Barrymore scream for her life. Oh so I really, I really want more details on that story. Um, and as so I said, she actually before, dialed 911. There was one close up where you do see her punching it in. So that, mm. that must be the scene. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And obviously Skeet Ulrich, I think I mentioned this earlier. He kind of looks like um, a young Johnny Depp specifically from mm. Nightmare on Elm Street. So I, uh, I read that that's a big reason why he did land the role. Mm. Um, 15 other horror movies are referenced in this movie and I couldn't even keep track. Uh, yeah. I was trying mm-hmm. to at one point and I was, I lost count. Um, and then the last one I have, which I'm sure you guys noticed was Wes, Wes Craven does have a cameo in this movie. He's the mm-hmm. high school janitor, and he is dressed like, up yeah. not only as Freddy Krueger, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> apparently it was the actual costume from oh, his Nightmare wow. on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, nice. I, yeah. I remember, I remember that scene and being like, "Okay, like who is that?" I didn't know who it was. Of course, yeah. I had to look it up to say who was that guy, you know. And it was like Wes Craven himself, and I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." It's like, a you funny, call me? Yeah. It's a, it's a, <laughs> I didn't know it was actually him. I just thought it was a, a yeah. random dude. Just, and I thought that's because you see it for just a split second. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the only other thing I had that uh, my wife, uh, my wife finally watched a movie with me. Yay! You know, uh, she, she's she been <laughs> nice. telling Laura, I guess for a while, like, oh, when you watch Scream, I'll finally like watch with Rob, you know? So she actually watched this movie with me and she pointed, so I didn't know this either. But there's a scene when uh, I believe Sydney, when the first murders are starting to happen and all the reporters are hounding her at the school. There's a reporter that comes up and I guess it's Linda Blair from The Exorcist. Oh, yes. And I didn't I didn't know that, you know, and she told me that. So, yeah, shout out to my wife for, you know, letting me know. Nice. Yeah, maybe she'll watch next week with me. I don't know. We'll see. You know. Um, Yeah. Okay. so good facts, Laura. Thank you. You know. 
You, you definitely, you were definitely very concise and precise. So I appreciate you not, you know, going on too long about it. So good job. Um, yes, yeah, so we definitely have the cast of this movie, which is like, you know, they were so young when they started this. But, uh, you know, like you said, you got David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan. You said Skeet Oldrich, Jamie Kennedy, Liv Shriver, you know, who had like that small, like little tiny <laughs> yeah. five second cameo. Um, and you got Drew Barrymore, you know, um, that's kind of like the main people. I actually looked up to the the voice of the ghost face guy because I didn't know who did it. I thought maybe Wes Craven was doing it, but it's actually a voice actor. You know, his name mm-hmm. is Roger L. Jackson, you know. Um, yeah. So do you want to do synopsis, Laura? Yeah. Uh, so we've got Nev Campbell, who plays Sydney, our main character. And it's been almost one year since her her own mother tragically died um, by a violent murder. And she goes to school one morning and learns that two other of her classmates um, were brutally murdered the night before. Uh, and that basically turns into a the town finding out that there is a masked killer. And this killer is out for her and her friends. And... Uh, only other thing to note is that this killer is obsessed with horror movies and it is so fantastic. Ah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, nice. Okay. Nice. Nice. Uh, all right. So where are we going now, Laura? You're, you're leading the way here. Where do you, where are we going to do? Are we going to, Oh my God. Am start, I really? Yeah. yeah oh, where do you shit. Start? All right. Here's the thing. It's no surprise here. I'm just going to throw it out. This movie is witty as fuck. I mean, like, and that was kind of a big 90s thing. You know, you had like Dawson's Creek and the way they talk. This is just so 90s in a good way, right? Um, I I think that the intro to this movie, I mean, we've all seen it a bunch, so it's not as shocking. But when it's your first or even second or third watch and you aren't spoiled, it is a shocking intro. And to take someone as big as Drew Barrymore, killer immediately in the beginning and start off with like such violence, such intensity. I just thought that that's like, right. It's just so, so well done. So genius. Um, I love all the horror movie trivia. I think just like all horror fans must love this movie to some degree because it's, you know, it's, it's for all of us. It's for everyone with all of the Easter eggs and fun facts. Um, and I love how this movie, like, sure, it makes fun of other horror movies and the rules, quote unquote, but it also s- celebrates them and still uses them as part of the plot. Mm-hmm. So I just think all of that, like very high level is so genius. And it's, one, it's why it's one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Those are my high-level thoughts. Rob, I told you I'm coming prepared. I'm very, like, to the point this episode because if you mention something, I might go on an hour-long tangent. So. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I, I completely – I mean, I, I remember the opening scene, of course, just because it's like you remember it, but I forgot yeah. how gruesome it was. Yeah. yeah. I, I I didn't remember that part of it, you know? Um, so it was definitely, I mean, it makes so much sense for this movie to have that scene first, you know, going almost like mm. so dark and so gory. And then the rest of the movie is kind of, I wouldn't say lighthearted, but more somewhat funny, making jokes here and there. And then you're, you get suspense throughout it, but setting up right away of like, 
this is fucking gruesome. So you don't know when this could possibly happen, puts you on edge, you know, and just that, that, that balance between the two. Mm-hmm. Cause if you wouldn't have had that first scene and you went through this movie and made jokes and then had a gruesome scene, I don't think it would have been as effective of the way they did it. You know, so the, right. the opening scene, I definitely say it's, it's a great, it's like you said, Laura, it's one of the most iconic opening scenes to any, yeah, maybe any movie, but definitely any horror movie, you know, right. great opening scene. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you, what about you, Greg? What did you think of kind of like the opening of this movie and kind of like quick overall thoughts? Yeah. Quick overall thoughts at the beginning of the movie. The first thing that really, really hits home uh, us being, you know, of the age where we grew up as like teens in that, t- in that, in the nineties is that you take for granted what the internet has done for us. Like in, in any new modern horror movie, everyone's just got a cell phone. You can look it up on the web. I mean, you can really get out of horror, horrific situations that way. But back then, and you guys probably remember this, you just, you know, you take for granted how vulnerable you were in your own home. Mm-hmm. Your phone, you know, what we call a landline nowadays, <laughs> that, was your, that was your telephone in your home. And that was the only way you could communicate to the outside world. And this movie, they hijacked that in the very beginning. I mean, if, if it were nowadays, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to push a button and all my doors are going to lock or I'm going to just text somebody or I'm going to call 911 on my other cell phone or I'm going to go on the internet. Mm-hmm. You didn't have that back then. The, your telephone was your weight was like your door to the outside world. And if that phone line was cut or if someone was calling you, you couldn't uh, call out. Um, it left you totally vulnerable. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I remember watching this movie in the theater and I was like really terrified at, at the idea that's, you know, you could just be trapped in your own home at a stalker. And then when he says that line, you know, of like, what's your name? And he's trying to be kind of whatever debonair about, you know, calling her. And she's like, oh, why do you want to know? And then he goes, because I want to know who I'm looking at. And boom, right there, right mm-hmm. there. You just, you feel it. And then kind of the dog barks in the, in the, in the backyard or the front yard. And that instantly just made you feel like all of your walls were crumbling down. That that whole opening scene was just so effective. Definitely at the time. Now, I think if you watched it for your first time, um, I'm not sure how it, how it would hit you, but it's still very strong. One of the, the best scary movie openings yeah. of all time. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, one thing Laura talked about that I kind of wanted to point out uh, was the just the fact, like you said, that they they reference pop culture, horror pop culture throughout this movie. And, you know, I'm not a big horror, you know, watcher in general. You know, like I said, this came out in what, 1996. So I don't mm-hmm. know if there was movies before that that kind of broke that not fourth wall, but, you know, like referenced outside the culture. You know, I just thought it was so genius. And if th- if this was like one of the first movies to do that, then, you know, kudos to them and props to them because it's yeah. just something that, I mean, now you look at everything references everything, you know, you're, you're, you're watching, you know, a Marvel movie and they're talking about something else that's going on here or you're watching mm-hmm. you know, a different movie and they're talking about this. And it's just, I, I guess, I don't know if that's something that's ever been done before, you know, before this. But for, for them to do it, uh, you know, and do it naturally and organic that doesn't feel so forced, you mm-hmm. know, was was really cool. And it just adds more to it because, you know, you're watching this movie, you're a horror fan. So you get these references. You think they're cool. You know, so I just thought it was really cool. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed every time they did that when they kind of broke that little bit of that wall. Rob, can we can we take that soundbite and retroactively attach it to your review of the faculty? <laughs> I was going to say like okay, the, the faculty mentions like one other mo- one movie. 
I, I will say, though, that I, I love the idea that Drew Barrymore was, like, on the cover of this movie poster, kind of like the way Usher was, but he didn't end up being, like, a big factor in that movie. And then same thing with well, this. But, they, uh, but this actually came before that. They did that for that. a reason, though. Mm-hmm. Throw they people did off. that because they didn't want people to know. People are like, oh, Drew Barrymore is in this. They mm-hmm. assume she's going to be the main character. She was a mm-hmm. bigger known movie star i mean at that point nev campbell had done party of five and then she had actually this is another fun fact but she had just done the craft the craft came out before scream and she actually didn't really want to do this movie because she didn't want to be typecast (laughs) after doing the craft but i'm like oh girlfriend you're totally (laughs) typecast now but she's also sitting pretty with lots of money so i think it's probably Mm -hmm. okay but anyway Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So they, they threw, they wanted to throw the audiences off. They wanted to be like, Oh, Drew Barrymore, she's the main character. Um, and then be so shocked that she died from the get go. And that basically tells audiences there are no rules yes. to this movie. You're mm-hmm. never going to know yes. like, yeah. like anything you assumed before or thought, Oh, well this person can't die. Guess what? It's all thrown out the window. Yeah. So I love that they did that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, just like you said, Laura, this movie, you know, the one thing it does and it does it perfectly is it like throws the movie tropes, you know, and twists them upside down. You know, it's like it it plays a lot of like what you've always expected, especially from a horror movie and twists it and turns it to where you're you're surprised when things are happening, you know, which I thought was, I mean, just Mm -hmm. so great. I mean, give it up to, you know, Kevin, Kevin Williamson, the writer of this movie. I mean, you know, I mean, mean, clearly he's a horror fan just to write and have all these Mm -hmm. references, not something he's looking up on Wikipedia, you know, he, he knew this shit down, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, like, like, like you said, Greg, I, not that I was watching this thinking of the faculty, but you know, it is very similar. It is very similar setting, you know, kind of, you know, story arcs a little bit, but it's like the faculty is like the, the Walmart version of like Scream, you know? <laughs> I'll take that. Oh I'll my take that. God. All right. We're going to have that on a shirt one day. I know it. That is so good. As much as I love the faculty, I, that's a, that's a great it's a great description. Yeah, and, and no no diss to Walmart. You know, if you guys want to sponsor us, that's great. You know, <laughs> I still, I still, <laughs> you know, I still buy, you know, some t-shirts there every once in a while. You know, it's okay. You know, um, yeah. Uh, but uh, let's, uh, let's try. They definitely support masks right now. So. Uh, well, well, that's a different debate. That's a different debate. <laughs> I don't know if they're that strict there. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> Oh my yeah. God. Um, so let's get into a little bit of the I don't know, just kind of like the I kind of want to talk a little bit of the vibe of the movie you know whether it's like it, it's definitely you know we can do consider it a horror movie of course but it has such a like a whodunit feel and like yes. a, a mystery and I kind of don't really remember that from seeing it in the past you know mm-hmm. like you're you're always trying to guess like who is the killer and they do, they do a great job of, you know, giving you a clue to almost every person in this movie. Yes. Even mm-hmm. like the Jamie Kennedy character, there's certain parts where you're like, fuck, maybe it could be him. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he does know pop. He does know horror culture. He does know all these things. Like he clearly has a crush on what's your name. He would be jealous, you know? Mm-hmm. So they, they, they do a great job of every character giving them an, a reason why they could possibly be the killer. So it just, you're, you're always kind of like trying to figure out, yeah, who is it? You know, instead of being like, oh, it's clearly this obvious person, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and also I think this was the first time it was, two killers and so that was shocking 
That's true. You know, mm-hmm. They're so used to they're just being one. And this whole time you're trying to figure out who who done it, right? And actually, my husband and I were arguing about this. He was like, they make uh, Billy Loomis, Skeet Ulrich look so like menacing the whole movie. And yeah. I'm like, well, right. They make you think it's him from the get-go. Yeah. And so you're kind of like, oh, I think it's him. I think it's him. And then you have that scene towards the end where he kind of fake gets, you know, mm-hmm. stabbed. And then you're like, oh, shit, it's not him to then yeah. flip it. Maybe even like less than 10 minutes later. Mm, five minutes, yeah. Uh, mm. And again, I just think these are things that, I mean, maybe sure when you watch it now, you're like, oh, haha, it's kind of cheesy. But for then, you'd never seen that done before. And yeah. so then you're like, okay, shit, it is him. Man, that was such a roller coaster. And then find out that he had like a partner. Yeah, because like you said, for, for his character alone, there's like a double twist. Yeah. And then there's the, the, a separate twist of like, oh, wait, there's an accomplice as well. So it's mm-hmm. just like such that that last, you know, 10 minutes of the movie are so great, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, uh, I, I just, you know, I enjoy the the roller coaster it takes you on. Of yeah. Just like, you know, who is it, who's not, and just having you go back and forth so many times while you're watching this movie. You know what it's yeah. like? It's like that movie Clue. Where it's so intelligent in the way that they formulate who the killer is that it adds that replay, that rewatchability value to it. Because Mm -hmm. I watched it a couple of days ago, obviously knowing who it is and being so entertained and blown away each scene, trying to figure out which of the two it was and realizing that if you didn't (laughs) know that everybody suddenly has an alibi and it's either everybody is a suspect or nobody is a suspect Mm -hmm. without knowing that. And that made it brilliant. And, you know, until you know the ending, there's no way you can logically deduce who the killer is. And, and up to this point, every slasher movie is, Ah, killer. You mm-hmm. expect it to be one. Mm-hmm. So it's inverted that too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just so smart. It makes it so much more enjoyable to rewatch. In fact, that was something I was thinking I, the next time I rewatch it, I want to try to figure out again who I think is uh, between the two, between Billy yeah. and Stu, which one is it in every scene? I, I, I figured mm-hmm. in some of them, I've been able to kind of figure it out on my own, but others I'm like, man, it's a toss up. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And there yeah. are there I haven't done it myself, but there are websites where people try to figure it out and like mm. there's debates on some some of them are obvious, but then there's like debates on some of them. Um but another another fun fact I didn't throw in in the beginning is uh I guess Skeet Ulrich really wanted to actually be like in the get up mm-hmm. in one scene. So in this scene, this is also I have two favorite scenes. This is one of my favorite scenes. The scene where Jamie Kennedy is sitting on the couch by himself at Stu's mm-hmm. house and he's drunk and he's watching Halloween. And instead of saying like behind you, Lori, right? He's saying behind you, Jamie, because it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm. And I think that's so funny because his name's Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who he's going behind oh. you, Jamie, Jamie mm-hmm. behind you. And then you Damn. see the killer behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't do anything in the scene, but that uh, that confirmed was uh, Skeet Ulrich in that oh. getup in that scene because he really wanted to do it, and they told him to do that scene. Oh, there you go. That there you go, wow. Greg. That's all. That solves one of them. Right yeah. There. So I mean, yeah, that's shit. one out of twenty. Take yeah. it away. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I, I feel like for that decision of like who was who, who was wearing the mask, I feel like every time somebody got the best of the scream, uh, what do you call him? Do you call him, what do you call him? Do you call him Ghostface, Laura? What do you call the guy, the killer? Yeah, that's what, that's just kind of what people call him now. I don't think that's, that was like his name in the movie. Yeah. But. No, in, 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 uh, in the movie, Tatum calls him Ghostface at some point. Or she mm-hmm. says, oh, please, Mr. Ghostface, I want to be that's in the what sequel. It is. Yeah. Okay, maybe that's why. Yeah. But I, line, I had the, the feeling of like every time somebody got the best of Ghostface, it was definitely the uh, what is the other guy's name? Not Skeet or not Skeet guy, but Matthew the other guy. Lillard. Because that guy was like a goofball in this movie yeah. and like comic relief a bit. So I thought like every time, like like you're talking about when Rose McGowan's like throwing beers at him, hitting him in the balls with the beer bottle. <laughs> I was like, I definitely think that's him in that scene because it's comedic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like between Matthew Lillard and the Skeet Ulrich character, like one's comedic and one's serious. And I don't think yeah. they would have that actor, not that actor, but that character be like the funny part of that movie. You know, so maybe that's a good yeah. way to kind of break it down too. Every time he looks ridiculous, it's Matthew. You Lillard. know, if we're going down this this uh, path right now, mm-hmm. my theory is Billy Loomis's character, Billy Loomis, right? He he ha- he has an actual specific motive for doing this. Um, he's really after Sydney, right? Yeah. Whereas his accomplice Matthew Lillard, who's Stu. He's just like, oh, it's peer pressure. Clearly, he's the actual psychopath in that he just loves horror movies and wants to kill people. Plus, they mentioned that he dated Drew Barrymore's character, Casey Becker. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he is so psycho. He He's down to kill Casey. He's down to kill his own girlfriend, Tatum. He's kind of doing the majority of it. And then all the ones that are very Sydney-specific are probably... Most of the time, Billy Loomis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, when these guys like came up with the stupid plan and stuff. Like, Billy is like, okay, I want to kill, you know, I want to kill this, I want to kill her, her mother, you know, I want to kill them, of course. And he's like, okay, well, I want to have fun too. Matthew Lillard's guy, you yeah. know, is like, okay, I want to kill my ex girlfriend. I want to kill the fucking teacher because I don't like him. I want to kill, you know what I mean? So I feel like any, like you said, Laura, any kill that has nothing to do with Sydney is probably the 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 Matthew Lillard character even yeah. Tatum his own girlfriend I think so yeah. I think so too oh, I think so too I think plus up. he knows his house right mm-hmm. and if you go back I mean we all obviously know who the killers are we know how this movie ends but when you've watched it a bunch of times you notice that he asks Tatum will you get me a beer oh, well she doesn't true. come back mm-hmm. if it wasn't him. Right? I mean, he clearly killed her, and that's why he's like, yeah, I know she's not coming back because I fucking killed her. That's wow. True. That's true, yeah. yeah. Man, we need to like, break, break this down and, and come up with a, uh, a tally next, next episode. <laughs> yeah. Who, who's got more? Yeah, one, th- one thing I did read when I was doing a little bit of research, I heard that I guess in the original script, there was only like one or two murders. There was only mm-hmm. like the opening murder and then I believe just kind of the end murder. And I guess the studios were like, you need, you need more. And yep. so like, that's why, that's why the principal gets killed. And yeah. because they're like, we need another murder kind of in the, in the middle section of this movie. Mm. I mean, do you, do you guys have favorite and least favorite scenes? Cause I will tell you right now, since we're talking about this, I love this movie. I feel like this movie does nothing wrong, but if I had to pick like a scene to cut, it would honestly be the principal scene because it I can tell that they added it. Yeah. You know, that like, oh shit, we just need another killing. I yeah. don't feel like it was necessary. 
I thought it kind of had a reason. I mean, to me, it was, look, everybody at some point was given even the the most minuscule reason to be the killer. And they sh- they showed a scene early on where it was Henry, it was the Fonz, right? He mm-hmm. was the, he was the principal. Yeah. There was like a moment where Sydney kind of comes in after the original murders, and they're bringing in students to his office to question them to see if they know anything. And he kind of like looks at her, or touches her weird. So you think that hmm. he could be kind of a like a weirdo. And then when he brings in the two students who are like running around the campus with masks. He's pretty aggressive with them. He kind of pulls out a knife. He's like, you guys aren't respecting my rules. You know, he kind of takes that tone that you heard from the very opening scene when um, the voice over the phone towards Drew Barrymore like snapped. He kind of takes that tone. But then, so in order to put that uh, breadcrumb to rest, you need to see him die. Otherwise he could Mm. be a suspect. Yeah. So I thought that, uh, killing him um, what was a way of doing that. But that said, I I, I will answer your question, Laura. Like, w- what is your worst, your least favorite scene? I think the the scenes that I'm not sure that I understood very well were the ones where the students were like, like when the principal was killed and it was reported that he was hung up on a flagpole or even after the original, even after the original murders, like everyone in the campus was elated or excited at at all this stuff. And it's like, I I honestly, like in, in my time in high school, you know, we had some very unfortunate tragedies where students or someone we knew died right from this reason or that. And it was not like a, a thing where it was like, okay, Oh, it's on the news. We're, we're, we're famous. It was like, somber it didn't matter if they were in your grade or not it was like oh they went to our school you heard about it and it and it just messed up people and everyone felt bad yeah. so i don't know if i maybe it's just part of the movie you know just trying to to fill in like plot holes or whatever to make people leave the, the house party or you know or, or whatever reason but i just thought that was kind of weird i don't know if i understood like the the excitement behind murders um in the movie so that was like my well, least favorite part i mean like why why does it seem like a majority of the people that go to the school are like psychopaths you know yeah, it's, very, yeah. it's really weird yeah, I think I think yeah. I think the kids too at the party they literally say like, "Oh, let's go check it out before they take them off the flagpole." Like, yeah. oh, it's like, oh, dang! It's one thing to be like, "Oh, let's go, let's go!" Like this is crazy, but to be like, "Yeah, let's go!" Before like they remove the body, I was like, "Dang, that's pretty fucking gross." But maybe that's just that's Wes Craven trying to play on the fact that you know it, it's it's like funny games. Like, well, we shouldn't be making a spectacle of death. So he's almost making fun of it by having the, the kids and the students in this movie, like glorify it. Yeah. Again, that's another thing that he's turning on his head, honestly. I mean, yeah. And you could chalk it up to just like dumb high schoolers, dumb teenagers, right? Like, yeah, that's obviously shown in so many movies and other forms of media. And I was already mad that Nev Campbell's character, Sydney, like goes to this party to begin with. And she gets talked into it so easy. Tatum's like, come on for me. We can just like hang out and have some beers. And it's just like, not, not only is there a fucking serial killer on the loose, but like Sydney's been through her own trauma. It's just like the dumbest thing, right? Like, why would you even go? Yeah. That part kind of doesn't add up. Even when she eventually goes upstairs with Billy, they have sex. Like the first thing that she does after they, you know, 
they have their moment, right? They're sitting, she's putting on his clothes, she's putting on hers, and she starts like interrogating him, asking him <laughs> if he's the killer. I'm like, what a weird like after conversation to have with somebody that you just slept with, like asking if they're the murderer. That didn't really add up either, but yeah, the whole decision to just go to the party yeah. in general was kind of odd. Yeah, also, um, they they make a lot of reference in this movie that like a lot of the things that Billy does is is a romantic gesture. And, you know, as like a mid-30s woman, that just makes me so sad. And that's something that I didn't recognize when I saw this in middle school, but like... What romantic gestures? Like I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, me neither. What, yeah, like, what, what right? are they saying? When, like, when there was are that? multiple parts in this movie where it's like, oh, I see that you're trying to be romantic by pressuring me into having sex <laughs> by 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 saying I'm to blame for all of my trauma. I mean, just like so fucked, you know? Mm-hmm. So fucked. But <sighs> all right, you know, mm-hmm. the 90s. <laughs> But I guess no one knows better, right? But mm-hmm. oh, it's just so hard to watch now. I'm like, oh, do it. Oh yeah, there was definitely that scene where he, he the first time that they bump into each other after he gets cleared of charges at the precinct, and he's like, oh, apparently I have a girlfriend who would rather accuse me of being a psycho killer than touch me. And he's like, it's time that you got over your mother's murder. It's been a year. Yeah, I, I had to pause the movie on my phone and be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You were watching Scream on your phone? I watch all these movies on my phone. I'm going to literally reach through Zoom and punch you. What are you what? guys watching it on? Like a TV? Duh, like a, my like a living normal person? room, big hey, TV. Hey, by, by the way, speaking of TVs, didn't you guys love the fact that when they were at that party, you had like 10 people crowded around like a 12-inch CRT, like a little <laughs> TV like we had in the 90s? I'd say it's still better than your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Can't say anything. You guys, when I was a freshman in college in my dorm room, I had one of those tiny TVs that had like the built-in VCR, like the real as tiny yeah. as it gets. I think you all had that. And I was like one of the only people that had a TV, let alone attached to a VCR with movies. And like I remember there were times where so many people would be in her dorm room watching <laughs> a movie on this tiny fucking screen. <laughs> oh that's funny, oh, that's funny. So mm. like nowadays if, if you did that people would be looking at each other like what the fuck are we doing mm-hmm. well they'd be like what are we hey, doing i'm gonna go i feel like you're about to show me some fucking cult video right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true that's true yeah um yeah let, let's uh let's get back into a little bit of the like you said the dis the uh, least favorite scenes in this movie for me i really didn't like the whole i didn't like the rose mcgowan death scene I thought it was so unrealistic. I'm like, there's no way that garage door would lift her one and then two have enough force to crush like her head and neck. Yeah. Like there's no way it's that powerful. And I know it's like a stupid nitpicky thing, but it was just something that kind of took me out of the movie, which up to that point was very Mm. like true and factual and, you know, very like, uh, very practical. And that Mm -hmm. scene was just like, Oh, that was a little too far, man. A little too far with that one. I thought it would have been better if they like reversed it and, you know, maybe like had the killer like slam it on her neck and head because that would have been more realistic somebody's actual force of doing that than than a tiny motor which they show the tiny ass motor and how small it is of that part so that was the only part i really just kind of disliked was like uh, other than of course like the you know billy's uh romantic gestures of like telling her <laughs> take off her panties you know yeah 
but that was there was only a couple of ones where I was kind of like, oh, I really didn't care for that scene. Yeah, that I agree. I I weirdly think the placement of this kill in the movie, though, it almost was like okay that it was dumb because at that point, I feel like once you get to Stu's house in the party scene. That's like its own roller coaster. You are on it yeah. and it is just go, go, go until that sun rises and everything's okay the next morning and the movie ends and you can finally like take a deep breath after all of the adrenaline and anxiety. And she kind of just like dies right in there. And even though it's dumb, you're immediately on to the next scene. So it's almost like, yeah, this is silly. But also the banter up until that kill is really good. So um mm-hmm doesn't bother me that much but i i do agree with you Mm -hmm. like it's it's very unrealistic and actually up until i did my research i was like why would she get stuck in a door like why would you even try to do that like (laughs) who could fit through a door and then later i find out that rose mcgowan is actually so tiny in real life that she could easily fit through it and they (laughs) had to like pin her to it so she wouldn't (laughs) slip through oh wow and here i was thinking like who the hell would fit through one of those doors i thought those dogs were made for like baby cats i mean (laughs) i don't know man that's well the reason why i didn't think that i I also was okay with it because it seemed like from the beginning of the movie in in the uh, very first scene with drew barrymore i mean whoever the killer is whether it's billy or Stu. They stabbed her and her parents were no more than 20 feet from them. He's so bold. Yeah. You know, he, he goes into the bathroom and there are already two girls in there and he waits it out. I mean, he's yeah. just so brazen. So it didn't, when in that scene, when he kind of like saw her stuck in the garage door and then he looked at the, the button and saw an opportunity for a very bizarre kill, I guess. I thought, well, why not? He, he's been doing crazy shit like that this whole movie. Um, it, it was weird because the whole time he's basically just been slashing people, right? Yeah. This is maybe one of the only kills that he doesn't get somebody with a knife, which was weird. But I, I thought, yeah, man, like he's bold enough to do it. I, I bought into it. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask Laura, like, I, I don't, I, <laughs> this was like a stupid thing, but I just feel like I want to ask Laura as a woman. So the scene where Rose McGowan walks into the garage and her nipples are erect. Oh God! So, no, I wanted to ask you though because, like, is 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 that something they did on purpose? Yeah. Oh, so they did. Oh the, yeah. Because I, I was like, yeah, because I was, you know. I don't oh know. yeah. Yeah. Can okay. <laughs> this? this was a very. Uh, it's actually really sad that I did not do research on this recently. I've known about this for decades, <laughs> but um, the nipples, the nipple scene. This was a very '90s thing. Um, bringing back up friends. I don't know if you guys did ever watch friends yeah, at all. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston's things. Jennifer Aniston, Rachel, her nipples mm-hmm. were very often hard. Yeah. Um, also in American pie, there were a few that also nineties movies. There were a few characters who always had erect nipples. There was like a, a stimulating gel they would put on women's nipples no in, way. The 90s, in, in certain really or TV shows for like sex appeal. So it's just that doesn't oh. trigger the, the the rating to go up well, a little bit. It's not I exposed. Don't know. It's not exposed. I think that's it's the way, like Laura said, it's the way of getting sex appeal in a movie without having to go up in a rating because there's no nudity, you know? 
Wow. That, but I was just wondering in that one scene, because it's so prominent. It's like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. And that's why I wasn't, I was trying to think like, and, and like, I don't know like women's anatomy that well to be like, is that something that you can control? Like, why, <laughs> why, and, and why would you do that, you know? Laura, can you make it happen now? (laughs) Okay, on the count of three. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Laura almost fell out of her chair. This is the hardest I've ever laughed in Mm -hmm. any episode ever. Mm -hmm. Dang. Oh my god. So the answer is no. Well, the answer is no. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you you helped me in my mindset of like, were those real nipples? Were they fake? Okay. We, we, we got it. We got it. Okay. All right. Well, now everybody knows. I, I'm, I can't be the only one that thought about that. Come on. You know? No, it, it was very obvious. Yeah. yeah. I'm just the only one that has, that's, that has enough guts to ask the stupid questions. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, all right, so let's uh, let's actually kind of go back a little bit, like Laura was talking about, and do a little bit of our favorite scenes. I know Laura already talked about one. Um, so, Greg, what's kind of like a you know a scene or two that you really want to spot out as like a really good scene you liked? I'm just gonna point out one. It's the video store scene. Mm. Oh, really? And um, I, one reason is because of the the dialogue that they have. Stu, Randy, and Billy are all there, and that's I think where they have the most number of. Um, referential discussion points about other horror movies and who's the killer. And and it's really brilliant because I think they actually kind of lay out the rules of this movie and they say why the dad isn't, you know, it's just, it's just so brilliant. But I think the biggest reason why I love it so much is because it just reminds me of blockbuster video. (laughs) I swear, just looking at the people walking around on the, you know, these low shelves with VHS tapes, looking for the video they're going to watch that night. I know I'm totally dating myself, but that was such an enjoyable time. You know, you've had, you spent a long week, uh, whatever at school, doing homework, doing chores. Then on Friday night, you see everybody at the video store, just picking out a cool movie. And I don't know. It was such, just such a good fun memory, such a fun yeah. time. Mm-hmm. When I saw that scene, it just brought me back. Um, and I thought that was just fantastic. I loved it. No, that's that's yeah. I I know what you're I know what you're talking about, Greg. Definitely when I see them in the in the blockbuster store, I, same as you, I kind of had a little like a uh, you know a little reminisce in my in my mind of like oh yeah you know I remember those stores and like you said just the you know the excitement of trying to find the next movie you're gonna watch and it's not the same as like scrolling through Netflix of like what mm-hmm. am I gonna watch? It's so different, you know. Yeah. It's the same principle. You're looking for something you want to watch, but it's just so different, you know. Um, yeah, so good call out, Greg. Good call out. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I, I usually lean. I'm usually two two perspectives. I'm either going like, what was the most fucked up scene for my favorite, or what was like a funny scene that I enjoyed. And for me in this movie, I definitely would say when, when Matthew Lillard is getting stabbed and, and, and Billy like throws the phone at him, you know, and he's, and he, and and Matthew Lillard has the line. What does he say? He's like, you like, you hit me with the phone, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like that. It's funny because that whole scene towards the end of the movie, you know, when they expose themselves of the killers of them stabbing each other, I was laughing through most of it. 
you know, yes. it, I, you know, yes. I, and it seems crazy because that's like it's a scene where two people are, are, you know, murderers and they're stabbing each other trying to create their alibis. But I'm like, it, it was funny to me, you know, Matthew Lillard's like comments and his face and stuff like that. And it, I, I really like that scene as much as I don't know if I should have. Yeah. Matthew Lillard has the best line. So he's like, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> yeah. That's another great one. Another great line. Like I said, he's such like the comic relief in this movie. Yeah. You he's know? insane. Yeah. So good. Plus they didn't, if you think about it, they didn't even have to do that. Like they could have killed Sydney and her dad and then started stabbing each other. So they didn't have to be like debilitated in carrying out their plan. But they decided to start chopping away at each other first. That was just so insane. Yeah, definitely had not seen anything like that in a movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the acting in this movie. You know, um, if you guys want to spot out any of the actresses or actors or characters or anything you guys want to talk about as far as that goes, I feel like my main thing is that I think everyone was super cheesy, hmm. but in this movie it worked. And so, yeah, I think the acting was was good. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the best acting we've ever seen, but it was it was good. It worked in this movie, and the che- and the cheesiness and the jokes and the banter, it all worked. Hmm. Yeah, for me in the in the beginning, when when you when uh, Drew Barrymore is like on the phone, I actually didn't like how it was very kind of Gilmore Girls ish, where she was talking to him. There was like no pause in between their dialogue. It was like back and forth. But then after the first like 30 minutes of the movie you really get settled into it um greg how much gilmore girls do you watch that you know the banter in the show (laughs) i've never watched that show but uh obviously the wife has has watched a lot in the background to where i go i can't i can't take this like i i don't that's how they talked in dawson's creek too like it's that it's so 90s it's cute it's clever but there's something about it that i don't like but um, it was kind of short-lived in the beginning of the movie. My my favorite character, I honestly was um was Matthew Lillard. He he was just so animated, and he's just his facial expressions and his movements. He's just the most. He's who's more unique than him in this movie. No, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, for me, the acting, I was actually really surprised about the you know pleasantly surprised about the acting in this movie. You know, I was going in thinking like definitely 90s, you know, I'm kind of preparing for not great acting. And I thought it was actually really good. I, you know, I didn't think there was a lot that was like horrible acting. I thought it was pretty accurate. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, um, let's talk a little bit because we haven't really talked about that much is definitely the Courtney Cox Dewey relationship. <laughs> you know, I mean, definitely Dewey is another one that is a comedic relief in this movie. You know, I mean, oh my God, the first, I guess all the movie really, it's just making fun of him and how he's not I a know. real cop. And, you know, there's so many good one-liners with him and the the one uh, girl that's his sister. Mm-hmm. Just, just heard like in the, when they're in the police department, she's just like defacing him in front of everybody, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just calling him out and calling him names stuff like that and, he, and he's just like when i wear this badge you're supposed to respect me you know and it's just like it's so funny you know um so let's, t- let's talk a little bit about i guess like you know courtney cox character and the dewey character and that whole thing i, I want to bring up one very important thing that that stuck out of my mind i vividly remember watching this movie in the theater for the first time and for some reason hating dewey 
and I and I didn't get it. I really did not like that character. I thought he he came across as like a wuss. I hated it. Right, a couple of days ago when I watched this, he was like my favorite character, hmm. and I I think part of it was because you know when you're young, everything is about how you, you know everything is about your behavior and your appearance. But now looking at it, I realize that he's he's got a job. He, he's an officer of the law. He has to uphold his duty. So really, that's his, his primary duty is being a police officer. So he comes across kind of like a wuss, but really what it is is he's not trying to get involved in the dramatization of this of what's happening in the town. He's trying to be just according to the facts, ma'am, you know, be just a straight police officer. And, but yet, you know, every now and then it slips through the cracks. He kind of like flirts a little bit with Gale Weathers and, you know, he's kind of like, he, he goes to the party. He kind of lets it slip a little bit, for, but for the most part, his number one priority is his job and, and his duty. And I feel like as an adult compared to like a teen, I respect that much more. And I, and I mm-hmm. loved his character. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that really boggled me because it stood out because watching him, I was thinking, oh man, I'm going to hate him like I did many years ago, but I, I loved him this time around. I agree. I liked him. I liked yeah, him. I thought, you know, he was, I thought you said he was comic relief, but I never felt like it was ridiculous or you mm-hmm. felt like, what an idiot, you know? I felt like he's just, you right. know, he's trying to do his job, shit. You yeah. know, I felt like, yeah, you're right. He should get more respect, you know? Dang. Yeah. Um. Oh, I was going to ask, like, did you buy their romance in the movie? Did you guys, like, buy it? Yes. Or, you know what I mean? I did. I mean, it clearly <laughs> starts out where she's manipulating him, like, to get the yeah. story, to get the behind the scenes, right? But, there is definitely a shift somewhere. And I actually think it's when they're like taking a walk by themselves. Mm. I I feel that shift all of a sudden she's like, maybe it's because she's getting further away from like her job and her goals and how she wants to be, you know, behind the story. And they're kind of removed from all that. And they almost kind of forget where they are. Like they forget that there's serial killer out there. They forget that there's a party they should be watching. They're just kind of on a stroll he was trying to look for a car and they're going to casually see if they find it. And I feel that that shift at in, during that scene, all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, mm-hmm. no, they do have something going on. Mm-hmm. I feel like it came before that, actually. Really? I, I think that was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And it definitely turned it bigger because they kind of had their own moment and she was like away from all the action. But I think it was like when she first met him. Because she's definitely a strong character, right? Her cameraman sidekick, she walks all over him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being a reporter, that's just the nature of your job. You got to walk all over people to get the story. You got to cover the story. You got to do what you want. Walk around to the back door of the precinct, you know, do whatever it takes mentality. And the only person she really couldn't walk on was Dewey. And I think she was attracted to that. Like she got what she wanted, but only because he happened to kind of like her too. But mm-hmm. he was still doing his duty. So I think she liked that. She kind of got closer to him and closer to the action, but not because she was able to manipulate it, but just because she genuinely liked him. Mm. Um, and from the very first time they met, I, 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 really, I really bought their, I, I loved their dynamic in this movie. And I yeah. could totally see why in real life, those, those actors kind of like hit it off. Mm, wow, I was love at first sight. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. Good job, Greg. Mm-hmm. That stash too. <laughs> he's, he's, got, he's rocking that like adult stash. Yeah, I know. He's trying to look older than he is so he can try to get some respect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could yeah. never grow out a mustache like that, but so I, I definitely respect it. 
Not like, not like Rob over here. I know, shit. I, I look at that stash and I'm like, what a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's get into a little bit of the directing in this movie. You know, mm-hmm. um, like we said, this is definitely, this is Wes Craven directing this movie. Um, I mean, like I said, this, this movie definitely has a suspense feel to it. So there's a lot of good shots in this movie. Like Laura talked about the one where Jamie Kennedy's on the couch and the, you know, the, the killers behind him creeping up. And I thought that was a really good shot scene, especially when you're shooting it through the, the view of the small TV and the van, you mm-hmm. know, it was a really good decision as like a director. Um, yeah. There's also a couple of times I noticed where the camera would be at like weird angles. Yeah. Not at like a, you know, it'd be slightly ajar, you know, and it was just, there was a couple of times it did it. I don't know why, but every time it did it, it just made me feel a little more uncomfortable because it's just not normal. And I thought that was a really good choice, you know, of West to make that in those couple of scenes. Yeah. Now, did you guys have? Yeah, any- I, 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 I didn't realize what you're talking about until now. There's the, there's that scene where after the original murders, um, Sydney goes home and she's by herself and you know, there's a killer on the loose. There's a scene where she opens the closet door to get something from inside. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, just any cliche movie would be when she shuts the door, the killer's just standing there. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those angles where you felt like something was going to happen. And, and, and it didn't, it just it felt uncomfortable enough to think that it should have, but it, he didn't play into it. Uh, then she starts to walk around the house and you feel like you're at a weird angle where it feels like she's so vulnerable. And again, nothing happened in that scene. Um, but that was just so great because you're not going to get that in, in other horror movies and other slasher movies. Yeah. 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 I, I, think the, I think the only other really good directed scene, I don't know if this is a director's decision or it's in the script is there's one point, I don't know who is getting killed, but there's a, they, they do a close up on the character's eye. And the reflection of the screen oh, face is tons. on the eye. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that was like, like one of the best, I think, shots in the movie. Cause I was like, that's fucking creative and cool. Yeah. And, you know, um, that was the only other one where I was like, wow, that's really cool. That's a really good directed scene right there. A really good still, you know? Yeah. I agree with you guys. I, out of all of Wes Craven's films that he's directed, this is obviously by far my favorite. And I would have to say that my favorite scene, like, directing wise is actually in the beginning with the Drew Barrymore scene Mm. and it's the scene where she gets initially stabbed and so the camera's in front of her and you know she's running and he's running kind of behind her but kitty corner so you can see him and it's slow-mo but it's not it's just like a little bit slowed down and you know she's like looking back and then the way it's angled you see his knife just like come in and get her in the chest i don't know why but that scene i just felt like i had never up until that point i don't remember any other movie filming like a a stabbing scene in that way mm-hmm. and i thought it was just really creative and really well done no that makes sense because you you think you figure every other whether it's called a stabbing scene or a murder scene it's about ferocity it's about speed it's about yeah. like the amount of like damage that is happening but in that scene it subverts it which is whole movie is about subverting horror and subverting you know the way we do things is that they mm-hmm. slow it down yeah. and they like do it slow and like even like right when it's inserting it's like you hear the noise as it's slowly going in and it's just like mm-hmm. it just goes back to just why this movie overall is like such a good movie it's just 
it's consistently trying to flip the script on the way you normally would want to see things. Mm -hmm. And it just makes it so much more powerful because it's never what you expect. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Oh, I was going to ask Laura, do you, did anything grind your gears in this movie? We haven't done grinding gears. No, nothing grinded my gears. (laughs) You know what? Yes. I, I got one. I got one for you. Okay. All right. Let's let's lube up, let's lube up those those wheels. Okay. All right. Um. <laughs> Put some of that gel on there. Okay. All right. Richard Gear. Blink 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 blink. <laughs> Every time we hear that, now we all we all bobble our heads side to side. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Uh, okay, Laura, so what, was, what grinded your gears? There is an actor in this movie, and they do something that bothered me, bothered seventh grade Laura. I remember talking about this every time I've seen this movie since I was in seventh grade and how it really bothered me. And it's in the very beginning with Drew Barrymore, and it's her mom, the actress who plays her mom. Hmm. When she opens the door to see her poor daughter gutted and hanged on a tree, this actress, she takes her arms and, and makes her hands into fists and like just shoves it into her abdomen hmm. before she screams. It's very fake. It's like, <gasps> ah! And it is so. I mean, again, you have to see me as I try to what? Like, oh, maybe act out the scene. Maybe, maybe this will be our first YouTube video. Maybe I'll put no, that, that video. Fuck you. I, I don't think so. <laughs> you guys, if please, if you can, I mean, maybe you rented it. Maybe however you got this movie. I still got like twenty four hours left in my rental. Yeah. Oh yeah, Greg. Greg, put out your put out your password and your your username so people can watch it for twenty four hours. <laughs> <laughs> if you go back and watch, it is so fake it really takes me out of especially i'm a mom and like we assume that this is her own their only child a daughter and i only have mm-hmm. one child a daughter and it's like it really took me out of that scene unfortunately because the acting was just so bad and she just had to do that it's almost like so you can't scream on your own you have to like take this force between your arms and your fists and just fucking stab yourself in the stomach to get a good scream out. I, it was just so bad. I don't know. Okay. No, that makes sense. And uh, I feel like, yeah, like I said, we're all parents here. If, if that really happened, I feel like I would one maybe not even do anything. I would just be in shock. I wouldn't even probably scream. I would just be like, like nothing, you know, but I definitely I mean, wouldn't like, you know, hit myself in the stomach to try to make a scream come up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Ugh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good job, Laura. Thanks. We haven't heard the drop in a while, so I appreciate it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, what about what about you, Greg? Is a, does Grave have anything this week? I did come up with a little a little thing. You got a little bit? Oh let's, wow. Let's take me out of the ground. I know, man. I've been still in the coffin for a couple of weeks now. Man, he's back. <laughs> he's back. Shit. Damn. Get him out here. Let's get Grave out here. I talk about. Okay, we got we got Grave out here now, man. He's been silent for a couple of weeks, just focusing on those games, you know, focusing on get them out there, creating those, working on his sidekick, you know. Um, He's been so, doing good work, good work. Yeah. 
doing good work, man. Doing good work. Doing good work with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) On the eighth day, God created games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, if you're if you're dead in your in your graves, then you definitely have a you're you're right there. You're you're on the afterlife already. So uh, you got the connection, man. Shit. Uh, Put in a good word for us, okay? (laughs) All right. You got it. Uh, What do you got? What do you got this week? Um. So this being a Wes Craven movie, it really uh, made me think about people under the stairs and, and how, and I was just, this was a curiosity, honestly, that I, and I didn't think would lead anywhere, but oh, we'll see. In that, in that movie, characters' names had mm-hmm. significance, and, and we talked about that. So I was just curious about, okay, well, maybe Wes Craven's got a thing with names. Maybe mm-hmm. he's, he directly places names um, and he assigns them to characters for a reason. And as I looked into it again, maybe some of these are a stretch, but I really thought they were very deliberate. Hmm. But in, in in some cases, and I'll explain in totally subverted ways. Okay, so um, I just looked at the main seven characters in this movie and their names. And I'm just going to tell you what they are and what they mean, and you can see that they pretty much apply. So Tatum, she's the main girlfriend of Sydney. She's like her friend, right? Um, her name means cheerful and full of spirit. So she pretty much was. Mm-hmm. Randy. Um, so Randy actually means a couple of things. When you use the word rant, when you use the name Randall, um, it actually means shield, which in some cases, like he kind of was because, you know, by him explaining the motives behind the killers. And he was ultimately one of the few friends that lived at the end. And he kind of served as a, that barrier between the, the murderers and, and uh, the people that lived. He kind of was a shield. But in, but if you take the short version of Randall and turn it into Randy, it's just the name Randy, which means sexually aroused person. And he kind of was. He was always talking about <laughs> boobs, talking about women. You know, he was kind of very crude the whole movie. So he definitely was like a Randy def- kind of guy. He, he definitely wasn't getting any, so yeah. <laughs> He definitely was not getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dewey means beloved. Huh. And, and he definitely was. There's no other better way I can describe Dewey, but he was such a beloved character in this. Um, interestingly enough, so Gail is an interesting one. Gail has a weird meaning. Gail means brings a father joy. That's, so, mm-hmm. the, yeah, that one's kind of weird. Like, And I don't know, this is probably a stretch, right? But... To me, it could mean a couple of things, you know, but um, most importantly, um, I thought that her motives, this this entire movie were all about, I don't know, she just, it, it seemed like she was trying to just get the story and she didn't care who she stepped over. And it almost seemed like she was trying to please somebody else. It was almost like she was doing something not for her own reasons, right? Um, and to me, that was like the way that a person tries to please their parents, you know, there was that moment early on in the movie where she was like, yeah, well, so what? You know, uh, who cares that all these murders are happening? You know, I'm going to get my story. So I, I thought that her uh, her demeanor kind of played into that. It almost seemed like she was there to just kind of uh, appease maybe her parents' expectations. I don't know. Hmm. A little bit of a stretch, but hmm. it could be. Interesting. The, the last three I, I say for the main three characters of the movie, which, so we've been talking about this entire movie. What, you know, Wes is all about subverting expectations. So I actually thought that he made the, the main three characters the opposite 
of what they are. So the name Stu, right? Matthew Lillard's character. Stu means guardian. So he was the total opposite of that. He was a killer, Hmm. right? Billy means protector. Hmm. He was the murderer. He just, he totally flipped it on his head. And the last one, Sydney. Sydney has another strange meaning. The name Sydney means wide open meadow. So look, if you were to take that to its, you know, sexual connotation, she was the opposite of that. She was like, you know, the, the movie virgin in, in, in this film, she was definitely the opposite of a quote unquote wide open meadow, you know? And I thought that was, what a weird Hmm. definition for a name, but I thought it was so interesting. The fact that like, instead of going for the direct, uh, meaning behind the the main three characters he he totally flipped it yeah um mm. because that's what a lot of this movie was about interesting oh, that's interesting yeah that's really cool yeah mm. man good job good job Graves. Yeah. you know that's yeah mm-hmm. even in a non-sexual way i feel like she kind of comes across as being more reserved um and private based off of like her trauma and what she's been through and probably just her personality even before all of this so yeah n- nailed True. it yeah, that is definitely yeah. the exact opposite. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Oh, cool. Cool. Thanks, Grace. I appreciate it. Yeah. Know, good job. Good job. All right. Let's uh let's get you back in your coffin there, and you can get your sidekick going again. You know. Uh, Wait, I'm running out of battery. Are you gonna help? Can you help me no, charge no. it? Sorry, man. Sorry, man. You gotta you oh. gotta figure that shit out yourself, man. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, man. You got internet now. You can get on Amazon. See ya. Can I talk about? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. Greg's back. Greg's back now. You know, um, yeah. So let's uh, let's get to the ending of this movie. This is kind of like we we've kind of just been going through, you know, things we like and you know, blah blah blah. I really didn't want to go linear through this movie. Um, you know, I kind of let Laura start a bit here on kind of one. I, I definitely want you to go a little bit through the history of the mother, because that's one thing that they t- they don't fully talk about. You know, it's like it's like a, in the movie it was a book, I guess that the Courtney Cox character wrote or she was part of it, or I wasn't actually clear a lot on that history. Can you kind of break it down for me? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give away a lot of spoilers that tie into the sequels. Oh, that's Um, true. But yes. So when the movie begins, we, we learn, we learn that Sydney's mother was raped and murdered. And um, we also learn that the person who was arrested and, was cotton weary and uh, Nev Campbell's character, Sydney, she testified against him because she, she saw him that night. Um, And so it it was all in her hands. Right. And everyone believes the story, but for some reason, Courtney Cox um, probably just playing devil's advocate has met with cotton and heard his side of the story and realized that there actually wasn't super concrete, evidence i mean he definitely he was wearing so he left the mother's house i guess that night drunk and he was wearing a jacket covered in blood so actually i guess that is pretty good evidence but no they said that the jacket covered in blood was in his oh, car oh was in his car that's planted. right yeah thank you yes mm-hmm. um but it it also comes down to the fact that Apparently, it was also obvious that Sydney's mom was kind of a slut and cheating on the dad and just mm-hmm. sleeping with the whole town. And Sydney does not want to believe that. And so Courtney Cox uses that um, in like her research with her story and 
learns that Cotton was just, they were just having an affair. Like they, they maybe even loved each other. You know, he's, he's not a killer. He was wrongfully accused. Um, so that's kind of the history with that. And that's why Sydney hates Gail Weathers because everyone just kind of believes Sydney. Sydney believes her own story, obviously. And Courtney Cox was the only one out there that just kind of dove deep and went and spoke to him and, and then wrote a book about how she thinks this man was wrongly accused. Mm-hmm. Um, so they even have a scene where, you know, Sydney's like, well, you wrote, you said I was a liar. You wrote all these things about me. And, and Gail Weathers is like, who cares? Like you testified, you won. He's behind bars. Like who cares what I wrote? It's not doing any, any good. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting because yeah, like if I were Sydney and I truly believed something, even if I, if everyone listened to me and this man was convicted, just the fact that someone wrote a story saying like, nope, that wasn't right. And no one was even taking it seriously. That would definitely bother me. So I can see. And then she my... goes, I'll send you a copy. And then oh, that was such a great so scene. Good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Is that is that when she punched her in the face, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, that was a good scene. That was a good scene. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, Sydney needs to understand, you know, she needs to have like a wake-up call that her mom was a quote-unquote slut. I mean, I hate to use that word, but that's what everyone was saying. So, she, she was sleeping around. Um, and then, you know, obviously, it comes full circle and we learn that she was sleeping with Billy's dad. Uh, and mm-hmm. because because of that, Billy's mom, Miss Loomis, left and left her son and left her husband because her husband was sleeping around. And Billy figured this all out. And so first stop, Maureen Prescott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, killing killing mm-hmm. her and then framing the Cotton Weary character for yeah. the rap. Mm-hmm. You know, and then going on his... Because I forget, did they... It was the one-year anniversary. It was a year later, yeah. right? Okay, so that's that's crazy to think that did they ever really clearly define that Billy and that Stu was involved in the killing of the mother too? They did. They said we. Mm-hmm. They said oh, oh they did. So it it was easy for us to do this and we okay. So yeah. so they both came up with this plan a year ago. Yeah. To do this and then that's crazy to think like they came up with this plan and they've been doing this for a year like prepping for this moment. You know, dang, that's insane. Like, how do you wait a wow. year? Right. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like that's, I mean, talk about sadistic. That's, that's insanity. Like I'm not a, I'm not a murderer or killer by any means, but I get an idea in my head. I can't wait a year. Yeah. I can't even wait like nine months to go on vacation when I plan a vacation far out. Like it's (laughs) impossible. I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm Yeah, yeah, and then like Laura said, you know, the, the it's the reveal like we talked about, you know, that that Billy and Stu are the ones that did this and planted it and planned it all and why and you know, like you said, it's the only part that's not really clear is like of course why Stu, like why would he be involved in this at all? You know, other than like Laura said he's just a maniac. Yeah. You know, or this is his one way to his outlet of being able to let out his insanity of being yeah. able to kill people, mm-hmm. you know? Being yeah. like, oh, my friend wants to do this for a reason, you know, I'm going to do it too, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But just, I mean, such a great ending to a movie, you know, the, you know, like we talked about the the double reveal with Billy where you think he's dead and then he's back alive. And then you're kind of like, I don't know if you're relieved that he's alive, but mm-hmm. you're like, oh, he's not dead. And then be like, oh shit, he's one of the killers. And then the fact that there's two killers. I mean, just the last, you know, 10 minutes of this movie are really great, really great ending. We talk about that a lot on this pod, of just sticking a landing on a movie, 
You know, mm-hmm. if you can stick a landing, then you're, you're, man, you're getting bonus points from us. You're, it's a great movie. Uh, but the ending of this was just so good. So yeah. good. You know, um, let's, uh, let's get to our ratings then. You know, let's get to our ratings here a bit. I mean, we really don't really need to talk about the Rotten Tomato scores. They're exactly identical. It's audience critic score 79% each, which I think it's about right. You know, yeah. maybe a little higher, I would have put it, but right there. You know, I really think I only like to talk about the tomato scores and they're very different because I think mm-hmm. it's an interesting conversation. Right now, they're they're the same, so everybody's in agreement. Yeah. Um, so let's get, let's get to our ratings. So let's do one to five. Let's do how many screams. <laughs> how many how many how many screams in this movie and like how what type of scream are you doing is it like super guttural are you hitting yourself in the stomach like the mom in this movie is that your your fake scream oh you know Fucking fake what scream. do you what do you think uh, let's let's leave laura for the end because i'm i'm really interested to see if laura's gonna finally give one of her perfect scores uh so greg once you once you go first greg one to five how many screams four screams and the screams are very guttural and they're the type where you don't expect what's happening i vividly remember watching this movie for the first time and feeling so i mean you i just felt so vulnerable that that's that's the thing thinking that you could be amongst friends and anybody could be the killer and think and people are dying around you and you don't know how or why or who's doing it just evokes just this scream where you you can't expect it you just got to let it out four screams for me such a great movie so original nice nice. yeah um for me i think i'm right there with you i'm gonna say four two i'm like debating four four and a half but i'll say you know i'll say fuck it i'll say four and a half i'll give it a half point because the ending they stuck the landing i've always said you got to give them more points if they stick the landing so i'll say four and a half screams and my scream would be like like this whole movie is about you know, uh, like doing things that are unpredictable or like the opposite of what you're expecting. So my scream is one of those screams where like you go to scream, but like no sound comes out. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, let's get to the big, big moment here. Laura, one of her favorite movies of all time, you know? Uh, so what's yeah. your, what's you your know, rating, Laura? Despite my nostalgia of this movie and just the fact that it's so great, and I, I'm like biased and think it's great. I have to just add that um, trying to step back and be less biased. I'm just trying to think of my overall, how I would feel about this movie watching it now and not having the nostalgia. But, you know, having that horror history and knowing my horror movies pretty well, I just feel like this movie had such a profound impact on the horror genre and it enlivened the genre in the 90s when it was like kind of sleepy, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this is a fucking five, you guys. This yeah, is a nice. Five, right. like Drew Barrymore blood curling screams. Wow, Oof. nice. I'm so yeah. glad you did it. I'm so glad you did it, Laura. I was nervous that you were going to try to talk yourself out of it and no. try to take yourself away from what you feel. But I'll, in my mind, I'm like, just say what your gut feels because that's the yeah. way I did Lost Boys. I gave Lost Boys a five. And just because it's like it, the way it made me feel, like taking out like breaking down scenes mm-hmm. of just like that movie made me feel so good watching it. And it was such a great ride yeah. that I was like, it's a five, you know, yeah. it's a five. I'm so glad yeah, you did it. Totally. Yeah. Like I also, before we end this podcast, I have to throw a shout out to one of my good friends, 
she and I rode the Scream roller coaster together. We saw it for the first time in seventh grade together. We watched it every weekend, every opportunity we could. That turned into Halloween, which turned into all the other horror movies. So, Jen, I know you're listening out there. You are my fellow Scream queen. I had to, I had to give you a shout out. So I had to get that out. What up, Jen? What up, Jen? Wait, sweet. Yeah, so that's uh yeah, so I'm so I'm so glad there's another five on the board. I'm glad I'm not alone anymore. You know, uh so cool. Uh so that yeah, that's it for this week's episode for Scream. Um so let's get to next week's movie reveal. Yay! Next week is is Greg's pick. Uh man, Greg, Greg, you're following up a five rated film next week. So just put that little bit in your mind when you're deciding right now what movie All right. you pick, okay? You know? Um so that's a long way that's a long way to fall, man. It's a long way to fall. So you got some pressure on you right now. So so what uh what movie are we conjecturing next week, Greg? I have no pressure. Um we are going to review one of the most popular horror movies of the early two thousands, starring John Leguizamo. Surviving the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. We are watching 2008's The Happening. Oh yes. my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It, it finally happened. It finally happened. Wow. I can't finally believe it. It happened. Wow. Oh, okay. Man. No, I, I love the, you, Greg, you're like, you're like Wes Craven, man. You put the swerve on this. You went, you went opposite of what we all were thinking. <laughs> Damn. You screamed that shit. Wow. Dang, Laura is so upset right now because she's this 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 movie that happened has been on Greg's list since the beginning, and Laura has been like that movie is garbage, and I've been telling Greg every week like, dude, when are you gonna do it? When are you gonna do it? And I'm so happy he finally did it, especially back to back scream, and now the happening. Oh, I fucking love you, dude. I love you. It's so awesome. So awesome. <laughs> Great. Well, I look forward to watching uh fucking Mark Wahlberg talking to plastic plants. I can't wait. <laughs> oh man i'm actually kind of excited to watch this movie i was telling my wife the other day about this movie just because it's been on our list forever and saying like i only saw it once in theaters and going in there was such negative and bad reviews that i feel like it definitely skewed my opinion the first time and i haven't watched it since so i'm actually interested to watch it again and really break it down and see how i really feel about it because i think my original view is not going to be 100 percent accurate right now oh Uh, I'm the opposite. We went in with no insight, no reviews, and actually thinking this is going to be the best. And then this was one of the only movies where we almost walked out. It was so bad. Wow. Well, however we feel about this movie, it's happening next week. So it's it's happening next week. Me and Greg are going to start working on puns right now. Um, I'm throwing popcorn at you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'll eat it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's the end sound bite. There you go. Uh, So... (laughs) So that's it for the, the the episode this week. You know, you guys can hit us up, uh, email conjecturingpod at gmail, Twitter, Instagram at conjecturingpod. Let us know what other, you know, Mark Wahlberg movies we can review to make Laura angry. Um, I would love to watch any other Mark Wahlberg movie. <laughs> yes, please. Transformers? Sure. Oh, Great. wow. You didn't, I didn't it. expect that. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. okay. All right. This might be the, the killer clowns of ratings for Laura, man. <laughs> No. Oh, no. no, Oh, man. That's going to be so awesome. All right. So, yeah. Actually, out there, if you're listening, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review us wherever you get your podcast from. Um, And that's it for the week. Uh, This has been The Conjecturing. I've been Rob. And Laura.
<laughs> and Greg. Yeah, until next time, remember, horror is subjective, so conjecture your way. See ya. Bye. Bye, guys. Be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> it's a scream, baby. It's a scream. Yes!